Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Chapter 3, verses 1 and verse 2. The book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 2 reads as follows. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it. We thought it it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. I want you to look at verse two. Notice that Paul wrote in this particular letter to the church at Thessalonica that he had sent Timothy. And one description of Timothy is minister of God. He sent Timothy. One description of Timothy is a minister of God. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this topic this morning, a trusted minister. A trusted minister. The church at Thessalonica was a newly formed church that was in its infantry, according to most scholars. Paul was was the individual who believed founded the church, and he founded the church at Thessalonica. And the problem that he had was, at least most scholars believe, he got ran out of town due to his religious belief, excuse me, due to his beliefs that went in opposite of the local local religious people who did not agree with his teaching. So after he left, most people believe he penned First Thessalonians after Timothy's visit there to check on the church. Now, Paul's normal motive of operation was he would establish the church, he would teach and the people concerning the word of God and the ways of God, help them get established in the faith, raise up leadership, so in turn that leadership would carry them forward and he would go back to his next project. And now, when we that's why you read, of course, in the book of Acts, when Paul made his missionary journeys, one, he made three missionary journeys, he would go back and check on the churches that he had established. But can you imagine, you set the church up, you get it going, and all of a sudden, the pastor is ran out of town. Can you imagine the mindset of the individuals who were in this church? They're based, they're not a a big church, they're not an established church, but they are new individuals in Christ. Paul's letter to this particular church was one of encouragement in the faith as well as instructive in nature along with hope for the future. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through this particular letter that we're about to read in 1 Thessalonians. He begins the letter out by greeting them with a declaration of grace and peace. Grace and peace. I'm finding out more and more that our words are so powerful and we have to be mindful of how we talk to people, even how we greet people. And part of our maturity is learning how to talk to people and not at people. Let me say that to you again. Part of our maturity is learning how to talk to people and not at people. Because we never know what a person is going through mentally spiritually or emotionally. But we know that the word works despite our situations. Paul's greetings helps us set the atmosphere in that church and to encourage the church, the believers here in Thessalonica. As ministers and members, how we approach people and interact with them can set the atmosphere in the lives of others as well. No doubt if we're going to go, no doubt if we're going through trials and so forth, we need to be in the position, just like Paul was, we got to be mature in our communication. 
He declared grace and he declared peace. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. It reads as follows. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Notice Timothy is coming up in this letter. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. Grace, goodwill, loving kindness, and favor. Notice how Paul is building up the church in this particular time. He said, listen, goodwill to you, loving kindness to you, favor to the church, and peace, safety to you, security to you, and prosperity to you from God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to think about the upheaval they have just experienced. Now, Paul's letter is bringing about a calmness and a safety and a security. Paul goes on to say how thankful to God he was for them and how he prayed for them largely because of their faithfulness to God. I can imagine they had seen a lot and they had heard a lot, but they chose to be faithful. And when we see a lot and when we hear a lot, whether it's social media, family members, and so forth, we must choose to be faithful to Jesus. We choose that. It's good to know that God will place us on the hearts and minds of praying people. And I thought about that too. Because he could put you on the heart and mind of somebody who didn't pray. Who don't talk to God. Who don't spend any time with Jesus. Who will gossip about you more than they pray about you. Mm, Let me get out of that. Praying people, he put, God, God had put this church on the mind of praying people. And when we remain faithful and walk in his love, whether it's our pastor praying for us, our bishop praying for us, our ministers praying for us, or a lay member praying, we need to be a praying church. And let me say that again. We need to be a praying church. I don't need to depend on others to pray. I need to be the one. If nobody calls a prayer meeting, I'm going to pray. I'm brother so-and-so, but I'm going to pray. I'm sister so-and-so, but I am going to pray. Notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3. Notice what he says. We give thanks. We're grateful to you. We are thankful to God always to you all, making mention of you in our prayers. So you notice that. When Paul prayed, he prayed with the right attitude toward the church. He was grateful for them. And we should pray that we are grateful for one another. I'm grateful for the musicians. I'm grateful for the help team. I'm grateful for my sister or my brother that I sit beside week in and week out. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. In fact, look at two people say, I'm grateful for you. Notice in verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your works, your deeds, and your doings of faith. So notice this. He understood that they were operating in faith. Not only were they operating in faith, they had a labor of love. It was, it was, excuse me, it was intense. They didn't get weary. They were not sorrowful, but they labor in love. They were also a patient church. Cheerful endurance. And I thought about this from this standpoint. We can endure, but we don't necessarily have to be cheerful. Let me drop that for a moment. We can endure, but we can be miserable, complaining, angry, upset, mad, sitting in the car waiting. I can choose to be angry or I can choose to be calm. But nobody's changing me except me in that car. Y'all get that in a minute. I know. Mm -hmm. Let's go on. Paul does a great job describing to the saints in this great church and allows us to see their faithfulness and commitment to God, which is so important considering everything that they had experienced. 
As ministers and leaders, we have to realize the seriousness of our work for Christ by knowing the significance or importance of our audience, the people. When we see people in a fleshly manner and not as God sees them, we may be tempted to allow our flesh, our feelings, and emotions get the best of us in our thinking, in our talking, and in our actions. See, a minister or leader who does not value their position of leadership may do the following. They may show up when they want with no explanation. Not be prepared for their meetings or opportunity to be before people. Talking about the Lord going to give it to me when I get there. Talk to people in a harsh, rude, and indifferent way without being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, what I mean by that? Sometimes you're going to have to deal, confront things. Paul tells us this in one letter. He says, rebuke them openly. But if he don't tell you to do that, then don't be trying to rebuke nobody openly. Because you might not like the consequences of what may come back. I have to push myself. As a leader, as a pastor, and so forth, to remind myself, always reminding myself, these are God's people. Jesus died for the people and not me. If I'm going to be a better pastor, a better minister, or a better leader, I always have to remember, these are God's people. Jesus paid a tremendous price. For his people. Never forget, when you look around this sanctuary, Jesus died for each person in this sanctuary. I mean, when he died, he paid the price. The ultimate price. Beat with a cat and nine tails. But he did it because of the person sitting beside you. Well, Pastor Bob, they get on my nerve. He still died for They talk to me a certain type of way. He still died for him. Paul was literally persecuting Christians. Not unsaved, uh, not, yeah, not unsaved folk, excuse me, yeah, not unsaved folk, but saved people. Persecuting them. Jesus stepped in and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to keep kicking against the prick. Paul had to repent of the things he had done too. Christians. And we don't want to be in a position where God has to step in to get our attention. Remember, these are God's people. God's people. Look at somebody and say, I'm God's child. Mm-hmm. Remember that next week too. When you go to work, I'm God's child. Remember when the, when the doctor tell you something, oh, I'm God's child. Remember when the lawyer tell you something, say, oh, I'm God's child. When the people cuss you out, oh, I'm God's child. Listen, when people try to do you wrong, I'm God's child. Remember this next week. I am God's child. Look toward heaven and say, I'm your child. (laughs) Oh, glory be to God. There, these are the people that I serve and we serve here at OCC, regardless of titles, because these are the Lord's people and we forget that, if we get that, something's wrong. Let the people not forget they belong to Jesus. They belong to Jesus. My family belongs to Jesus. I love my wife, but she belongs to Jesus. Love my child, but she belongs to Jesus. Love my son, he belongs to Jesus, though. I can't be worried about him because, hey, he belongs to Jesus. Y'all see that? Now, let's go again in verse 3. Remember without ceasing, without interruption or constant, uh, constant interruptions, you say your works, your deeds, your doings of faith. Secondly, your labor of love, your intense labor united with trouble, weariness, and sorrow. Loving people is labor intensive. Loving people is labor intensive. Let me say that again. Loving people is labor intensive. It takes something to love, folks, y'all. I should have got both in two amens right there. You try to love people that are easy to love, don't you? I know it. Love folks that sometimes not easy to love. You got to learn how to love folks, some folks. <laughs> and the third thing is they're patient 
The patience of hope of our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Cheerful endurance. In my opinion, as we continue to grow and see God's people as he does, it will allow us to mature in our attitudes, thinking, and actions when it comes to ministry. When I say mature, to be responsible for our own actions, to be sensitive and aware of others and be willing to adapt to meet their needs. Maturity says, I see people like God sees them. Maturity says, I see people like God sees them. It takes maturity to spend time with others and disciple them to Christ. It takes maturity to call or to text people or to witness to people or to check in on people. It takes maturity to give and not expect anything from that person. You can expect it from God based on Luke 6 and 38, but not pressing the person to give it back to you. Luke 6 and 38 says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and run it over shall me and give it to your bosom. It takes maturity to spend time studying God's word without being prompted by anyone. If somebody always got to tell you to study, you need to grow up. Let me drop it right there. If somebody always got to tell you to pray, you need to grow up. If somebody always got to tell you, ask you the question, when the last time you read in your Bible, and you're like, the last time you asked me? You got to grow up. Are y'all following me here? It takes maturity to lead your auxiliary with integrity, whether it's two people or 200 or more people, by you praying, preparing, and growing your auxiliary. Now, Paul describes the integrity of their teachings and their lifestyle based on 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 5. Notice what it says. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. It came to you in ability and strength and might and miracle working power. People were healed. People were delivered. People were saved. People were brought out of darkness into this marvelous life. Miracle working power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Assurance is confidence. As you know, what kind or what sort or what manner of men we were among you for your sake. You know we were people of integrity. We know we did, you, we did things the right way. Not like the individuals in this particular city that we're in, but we did things the right way. Paul said, you know my lifestyle and the, pe- and, and the people know your lifestyle as well. And I always believe this, our lifestyle needs to point people to Jesus. Our lifestyle needs to point people to Jesus. I don't need you to point toward me, because sooner or later I'm going to mess up somewhere. I mean, it, I, it, it's just a matter of time. I'm going to do something you ain't going to like. Just a matter of time. You're going to see me licking my fingers one day. Oh, Lord, Pastor, I can't believe you licking your fingers. Now... You're a mess. I can't see Jesus now. That's the problem right now. We have to see Jesus and point people to Jesus. Because Jesus does not disappoint. He does not make a shame. He does things the right way. And when people say God doesn't do things the right way, stay with him a little while longer. You'll find out God is right and every man's a liar. We see the results and the outcome they saw in the people because of how serious they were about God's people. God's word and being a godly example to help others see Jesus. Notice First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. And you became followers or imitators of us and of the Lord, having received, having accepted, having taken the word in much affliction. Evidently, there was something going on that produced afflict, uh, persecution, anguish, tribulation, and trouble with joy of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot going on in this particular city. There was a lot of anguish, affliction, tribulation, and trouble. I truly believe that's why Paul had to get ran out of town. 
because of everything that was going on. But they still said, I'm following Jesus. If that would have been some people when, when Jesus, excuse me, when Paul, let me say this, when Paul would have got ran out of town, some people would have quit coming to church. Some people would have left because they said if, if, if Paul was right, he never would have been ran out of town. But you gotta understand, so sometimes you can do right and still be took and it's wrong. Boy, y'all missed that right there. You can do right and still be taken as wrong. People say you're wrong. You're like, what did I do wrong? And you need to understand when people take you as wrong, when you try to do right, you still got to stand on the authority of God's word. Be a man or woman of integrity. This church, they had to grow up fast, though. They had to grow up fast. They couldn't be immature in their walk with Christ. And as we grow and mature in God, we understand it can help others also understand that trials, tribulations, and troubles may come. Don't never walk around with Jesus and say, you know, I, I, everything is going to be wonderful. You'll never have trouble, trials, or tribulations. You get saved on Sunday and have trouble on Monday. And you still saved. You can be saved on a Sunday. You can be saved on a Tuesday. And 12 hours later, you can be going through something. And just walk with God. You'll be happy. Oh, I'm saying, y'all, I got the joy of the Lord is my strength. Four hours later, we can't find your joy. Doesn't mean you're not saved, though. Because you're following Christ. And notice, they dealt with affliction in their walk with Christ. Understand this, but we must continue to follow our Holy Spirit leader as he or she follows Christ and the Lord as Paul wrote here in this text. Ministers and members of OCC, we want our testimony to be like this. When we hear, when people hear about us in Villarook and beyond, they hear about us leading people to Christ. Notice what it says in verse 8. For from you the word of the Lord was sounded. It was being reported forth not only in Macedonia and Archaea, but also in every place. Your faith, your conviction, your confidence, your belief, your trust, your assurance in Jesus, in his word and his ways toward God has gone out. People know you trust God. Well, I want people to think of OCC. I want to think, I don't know what they know, but I know they be talking about Jesus all the time. They talk about Jesus healing body. They talk about Jesus delivering. They talk about Jesus will get you out of them all. I mean, they said every problem you go through, God got a plan to get you out. Oh, I can't, I can't believe that because I've been in this same trouble for 42 years. Now, 38 years. 38 years. Oh, 38, 38 years. Oh, let me show you in the Bible where this woman had an issue for 38 years. And God healed her. Let me tell you something. God got a plan to get you out of them all. Every last one of them. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God can get you out of whatever you're dealing with. Well, I don't think the doctor says I'll be like this the rest of my life. God can deliver you out of them all. The lawyer said it's no hope. God says he can deliver you out of them all. They say you always be like that. God can deliver you out of them all. Why? Because we have our conviction, our confidence, our belief, our trust in our Lord. Great things happen when the word of God is preached with knowledge and understanding. And we receive it with joy despite our trials and our trouble. Now, every church needs someone to guide it spiritually in the word of God and those who can help with that process. Every church needs somebody to guide them into knowledge and understanding of the word of God. Now, since this was a young church, or a church in its infantry stage, they needed the milk of the word. Since it was a young church, spiritually speaking, which means they had young believers, young believers in every church need the sincere milk of the word so they may grow thereby. 
What I mean by the sincere milk, the less difficult truths of God, the less difficult truths of God, every young believer needs the less difficult truths of God. Why? So they can grow, increase, become greater, to develop, to progress to maturity. Let's look at First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes, let us desire, let us long for or pursue with love the pure milk of the word of God, that ye may grow, increase, or become greater, and I, I like this word, or mature thereby. So First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes, let us desire the pure milk of the word of God. So that we can grow or increase or become greater thereby. Every, since it's a new church, they needed somebody to give them the sincere milk of the word. Now, those who are born again need someone to teach them the less difficult truths of the word of God so they can learn them and apply those truths in every aspect of their lives so they can mature spiritually, and help them with their spiritual growth. Such things as prayer. One of the first prayers I learned was, Our Father which art in heaven, how will be thy name, thy kingdom come, and so forth. One of the first prayers I learned. First thing I learned was how to give God his tithes. And then after I learned the tithes, I learned how to give God an offering. Notice, the simple truths of God, so in turn I can grow and mature into the greater truths of God. Now, let's look at God's growth plan in, according to Jeremiah 3 and 15. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God will give a, a church a pastor or a shepherd as they call here who will feed his church with knowledge, facts, Skills acquired by experience, awareness, and information about a particular subject, and understanding. Applied wisdom, insight, comprehension, how to prosper, and how to, how to give attention to the proper things. As pastors, we have to be insightful about spiritual as well as natural matters, but especially how spiritual matters affect our natural situation. Especially how our spiritual matters affect our natural situation. Pray for all pastors, including myself, because we must desire knowledge and understanding in order to feed you with knowledge and understanding. We need to know about marriage, parenting, family, finances, business, government, education, in the sense of being aware of things happening so that we can communicate those things in a manner that is in line with God's word. I want you to notice also what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 18. Remember, every church needs a sense and miracle of the word. They need a pastor to feed them knowledge and understanding. But let's look at the church, though. Matthew 16 and 18. Notice what Jesus said. He was going to build his church. He was going to establish his church. He was going to grow in Christian wisdom. They were going to learn about Christ and they will be repaired. Remember, Jesus said he came to heal the brokenhearted. So Matthew 16 and 18 reads as follows. And I also say to you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build or establish growing Christian wisdom to learn about Christ, to be repaired, my church, and the gates of Hades should not prevail against it. So the church is twofold. One, it's established on the inside of a believer. And secondly, it's a place where believers go to receive wisdom concerning Jesus, along with how to apply God's written and revealed word. So we see that God is establishing his church and he's building his church on the inside of people just as well as his corporate body of believers. We see from this example, as well as others, examples that God has established his church for his people to be taught the word of God and the ways of God. Is everybody getting me what I'm saying so far? That God wants his church to be built. He wants his church to be built. And he's built a church in Thessalonica. He also built a church right here in Bilirica. 
All right, everybody see the parallel there? Now, God wants OCC to be a church where knowledge and understanding is being taught. He also wanted the church at Thessalonica to be taught knowledge and understanding. But there was a problem. The pastor had to leave town for whatever reason. So who's going to teach them knowledge and understanding? Are y'all seeing what the problem is right here? The, God sent his church up. The one who, who he sent there had to leave town. Everybody knew he had to leave town. The members stayed faithful, so God had to have a plan for his church. Are you following me? If I give you a quick natural example, something happened to me, Bishop Walker will come in and make sure y'all were fed knowledge and understanding each week. Y'all don't leave because something happened to me. Y'all keep going because, listen, despite me. Are y'all following me here? We got to keep going and keep following Jesus. Because he's the one who delivers you. He's the one that protects you. And he's the one that prospers you. Everybody understand that so far? Now, so, he didn't, now, I'm glad he didn't tell him this right here. Since you got saved, you won't be alright the way you are. You know how some people think, you got saved, you don't need nothing else. You're alright now, you're on, on your way to heaven. I'm glad he did not tell them, oh, you saved, you don't need a pastor, you just go ahead and get it on your own. You need, I'm glad Paul did not tell them. And did not set it up so they did not have somebody to come and help them with knowledge and understanding. You say you're all right the way you are. Our young guys say you'll confess and now you're all right the way you are. I'm glad Paul didn't tell them that. Because we would not even need church if that was the case. We would even need to be gathered on a Sunday morning. With a pastor feeding them not feeding you knowledge and understanding, if Paul would have made a statement like that. But Paul knew the plan of God. Oh God. Before I get there, let me let me share something with you. In First Thessalonians chapter two, verse two. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse two. See, Paul knew the church was dealing with a difficult situation. Now, this wasn't Paul for Paul's first time dealing with something like this. Paul was an individual who, let's say he ruffled a few feathers along the way. But he knew this was a young church. They, they barely got their, their roots in the ground. They needed somebody to help them along the way. But, but notice First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2. But even after we had suffered, suffered means to undergo hardship, before and was spitefully, outrageously and shamefully treated at Philippi, he dealt with this at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. They had some stuff going on, y'all. Paul and, and Paul did not back down from none of them. Well, he got ran out because he was. <laughs> All right, he didn't back down. Now, he lets them know that their suffering did not stop them from speaking the gospel with boldness, confident in spirit and in demeanor. We have to be confident in our demeanor, in our attitude, in our appearance, in our behavior, in our spirit when we're speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. you got to be confident. A confident, trusted minister is bold, positive, hopeful, secure, convinced, and fearless in the delivery of God's word, whether it's in the pulpit or the pew or the street. Even in the street, they're bold about what God can do. On the corner, they bold about what God can do. In the store, witnessing and telling others about Jesus. At the family reunion, at the family cookout. While they're getting high, they're talking about how, well, oh, God is still good. Woo! Hallelujah! And they ain't ashamed of it, neither. Let's go. Y'all ain't never been to them cookouts before. I'm sorry. In case you run across them. In case you run across them. Since Paul was run out of town, for whatever reason, you, you say whatever reason you want to. He sent Timothy to do the work of the ministry. He, he, when he sent him, he, he put, gave Timothy an assignment. This to me was not Paul's plan, but God's plan. Why do you say the pastor? Because it was God's idea. Matthew 16 and 18. 
Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This is God's church. When it's God's church, he gave, in my opinion, instructions to Paul to send Timothy. Understand something. When God sends somebody, he may use a man to send them, but it's ultimately him giving the orders. And you got to know the difference. When your pastor asks you to do something, I pray that he's as consulted God and he's really the, I'm just the mailman. I deliver you what I believe God's given to me. Now, now do I have to say, thus saith the Lord behind every sentence? I, mm-mm. If I got to do that, then it's less of me. What am I doing? I need to give it to you, and you got to be able to discern, okay, they want me to pray on Sunday. That must be Pastor Dawes. I don't want to pray no way. I don't feel like I don't feel like I can pray. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. Because if I do it right, it wouldn't be asking you no way. Oh, y'all missed that day. Let me try one more example. Pastor asked me to minister the offer, tithes and offering on Sunday. He asked me to sing on Sunday. Well, I don't feel like singing this Sunday because. <clears throat> but Pastor, I, I don't know. I don't think I can do it this Sunday. Okay. Lord, you heard him. <laughs> you heard him. What if Timothy would have had that attitude when Paul asked him to go to the church at Thessalonica? I can't go. I got some stuff going on with my family. We got a family reunion. I got to work this Sunday. Can't go this Sunday. Uh, uh, can't go. Can't go. I got to work. I can't go. I ain't got no money. Money was short this week because you know I didn't I didn't work for twenty hours this week. I I'm expecting forty, but do you know that when God asks you to do something, He knows your financial status before He asks you, and don't you also know He knows the condition of your body before He asks you? I know I got quiet, but I want to get, I want you to hear what I'm saying. What if Timothy would have had that same attitude when he asked? When Paul asked him to go to this church because they need somebody to teach them with knowledge and understanding. I can't do it. They ran me out. But God had a plan the whole time. And he had Timothy to go in his stead. Good God. Now, I believe that Paul chose Timothy because he could be trusted. And when you got an assignment like this, sometimes I believe, I believe many times we have to be in a position where we can be trusted. What I mean by trusted, we can be reliable, we can be responsible, we can be truthful, we can be able to be dependent upon, we can be honest, and we can be sincere. Let me say this to you. I believe Timothy was a trusted minister. A trusted minister. Timothy could be relied upon. He was, in my opinion, an honest minister. He was able to be dependent upon. And I truly believe that Paul describes him as a minister of God. Now, before I go to Timothy and we deal with Timothy, I want to look at two more ministers who I believe are trusted ministers. Let's go over to the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 22 and verse 23. Acts chapter 11. Verse 22 and verse 23. I want us to look at Barnabas, who in my opinion is a trusted minister. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 and verse 23. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. 
and encourage them all with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Barnabas went out there and he did it like the Lord told him to do. And notice this, they were glad and encouraged them all with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Let's go to one more, who I believe is a trusted minister. Titus chapter 1 and verse 4. The book of Titus chapter 1 and verse 4. I want you to notice how Paul described Titus. Titus chapter 1 and verse 4. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So notice, Paul considered Titus a true son in our common faith. In my opinion, another example of a trusted minister. Now, let's go back over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. One thing, when you look at this, Paul had to trust that Timothy would carry out the assignment in a matter that pleased God. In a matter that pleased God. You know, the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. No doubt, Timothy in the past had proved himself at other times as a confident and trusted minister, because Paul sent him to this great church with two main assignments to carry out with the people. And see, when Paul sent Timothy, he had their best interest in mind. He had the best interest of mind. First, first, first Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2. And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God. So when he sent Timothy, he sent Timothy out with an assignment. An assignment. And the first part of this verse, Paul makes it clear who Timothy is and how he is being sent. Those are the same verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. I want you to notice what he believed about Timothy. That Timothy was a man of integrity. He was sound. He had good, good character. He was complete. First of all, he was our brother. Our brother. A fellow believer. A Christian belonging to the family of God. And to me, he was a mature Christian. A mature Christian. Why is that so important? I'm glad you asked me, Pastor Dobbs. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. You don't send a novice to do a mature person's work. You do not send a novice to do a mature person's work. So, Timothy, Timothy was not a novice. Not a novice. The second one it talks about, he is a minister of God. A minister of God. Go to Matthew 20 and 28. Matthew 20 and 28. A minister is one who serves, one who carries out the commands of another. Remember, he's carrying out the, the commands of Paul. He's a servant. He's not going to do what he wanted. He's doing it like Paul wanted done. He's going to attend to the needs of someone, especially the church in Thessalonica. And he will provide spiritual guidance to this particular church. Matthew 20 and 28. Matthew 20 and verse 28. Thank God for spiritual guidance, eh? Those from Matthew 20 and 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give this life a ransom for many. The King James Version talks about the Son of Man did not come to be ministered, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we need to be ministers. And just like Timothy was, he was a minister. So two things he was. One, he was a brother. Two, he was a minister. And thirdly, he was a fellow laborer. A fellow laborer. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. First Thessalonians 
Same book, chapter 5, verse 12. A fellow laborer is a companion in work, one who is in a simple position as a worker. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 reads as follows. And we urge you, brother, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So know those who labor among you. Paul knew that Timothy, he what kind of labor that he did. And he knew that Timothy was a man of integrity and he would do it like Paul wanted done. And as ministers, we got to do it like God wants it done. As helps team, we got to do it like God wants it done. As armor bearers, we got to do it like God wants it done. As ministers and senior ministers, we got to do it like God wants it done. As singers, we got to do it like God wants it done. As we got to do it like God wants it done. As a sister in Christ, I got to do it like God wants it done. As a brother in Christ, I got to do it like God wants it done. Because we're not, I'm not just talking about ministers. I'm talking about all of us in the sanctuary. We have to do it like God wants it done. Paul sent Timothy and expected him to act in integrity, carry out integrity in carrying out the assignment. We have to know how God is using his leaders to send us or ask us to do various assignments in the kingdom of God. When we carry our assignments, we're not trying to change the task or the assignment based on our opinion. For example, pastor asks you to go and see the person, but you decide to call instead. Could have been a reason that your presence was requested. Another example, a senior minister may ask, call a senior minister may say, call the babe in Christ within 48 hours, and you decide to wait five days. <laughs> it could have been that the enemy launched his great attack at hour 72, but there was no one there because you got busy or distracted. Another example, pastor might say, get this person involved and engaged in your auxiliary, but you may struggle or forget to reach out, yet the enemy has, has already reached out to him. He sent a thought or suggestion to engage them in, a, in something outside of the will of Christ when, that would not help them grow spiritually or naturally. Do you know that the enemy will reach out to babes just as well as non-Christians, just as well to Christians, if you don't reach out? Now look how y'all looking right there. Can I, let me, can I, I'm going to raise my hand real quick. The enemy has reached out to me as the pastor. I'm not reached out. Reached out. So you don't think when God tells you to go talk to somebody, text somebody, call somebody, God don't know what he's doing? Because God knows when somebody has been reached out to by the enemy. Let me look around this sanctuary one more time. Because I know two or three of y'all been reached out by the, to by the enemy. Mm, let me look. Let me look at you. Mm, let me look. Yeah, I see you back now. I see you in your uh, in your. Mm, yeah, I, I see you. I see you. He has reached out to you, and it wasn't a good reach, neither. And, and it wasn't a good reach, but you know, he did get your attention. But he did reach out. Whoo! Hallelujah! That, that, that will touch you right there. I'm gonna keep moving. But I'm let you know though God knows the enemy reached out to you, but He also God has reached out to you through somebody else, whether they touch with base with you or not. Because you know there's nothing that God don't know is going on in this world right now. Not nothing He don't know. Not nothing. All right, let me finish this up. We have to carry out the sign with the same level of integrity as a brother, a minister, or a fellow laborer. In fact, Timothy had two main assignments which are ideal for any trusted minister, especially the ministers here at OCC. One, establish it. Establish. To make stable, to make firm, to fix, or to strengthen you. And secondly, to encourage you. In your faith, to exhort you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, instruct you, as well as teach you concerning your faith. Two assignments for trusted ministers in God's church. Establish God's people and encourage God's people. Establish and encourage. Say that with me. Establish. Encourage. 
So notice, this is our assignment. This is our assignment. And after everything that church went through, we can see why Paul instructed Timothy, Timothy to establish and encourage. And as a trusted minister, this is a great pattern for us to help establish others in the faith and encourage them in the faith. Let me say this to you. This worked too. This worked. I'm going to show it to you in just a minute. As Paul laid out the groundwork for Timothy, I believe we can learn from this text in order to be a trusted minister, to be a trusted deacon, to be a trusted brother, to be a trusted sister, to be a trusted musician, to be a trusted singer, to be a trusted community leader, could be a trusted audio worker, to be a trusted dancer, to be a trusted backpack helper, to be a trusted giver, to be a trusted receiver, to be a trusted singer minister, to be a trusted witnesser. Whatever it is, we can be trusted. Thank God when we do it the way God wants it done. Hallelujah. We want to be trusted, truthful, and reliable ministers who carry out the assignment with godly integrity. And also, God can rely on us to carry out the assignment in a manner that pleases him. We don't want to do it the way we want it done. We want it the way God wants it done. We want to please God in every aspect of our lives. Now, let's go back over to and close this out in 1 Thessalonians 3. We're going to start at verse 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3. Now remember, to give you a quick recap, I know you, hold on, just hold on, I'm almost done. Stay with me, stay with me now. Paul had started this church. For some reason or another, he got ran out of town. He sent Timothy to encourage them and establish them in the faith. Now, Timothy has went and did his assignment. He has came back and reported back to Paul what had happened. And notice what he says here in verse 3. That you, cons- that you concerning, uh, excuse me, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we should suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, and you know, I t- we told you this was going to happen. We told you we won't get ran out of town. We told you they were going to try to mess with us up. We told you that. So I'm glad you weren't shaking because we told you what was going to happen. But go, notice what he said in verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Notice he sent Timothy to know their faith. Not what they were dealing with, but to know were they still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly. After everything they've been through, after everything that church had been through, were they still trusting the Lord? Listen, after everything you've been through, been through Corona, been through everything else, are you still trusting the Lord? Been through financial trials, are you still trusting the Lord? Been through sickness, are you still trusting the Lord? Been through mind games, are you still trusting the Lord? Whatever it is, are you still trusting the Lord? Are you still trusting him? But he goes on to say in verse 6, oh, let me, no, verse 5, for this reason when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. He said, I don't want you to get caught up in all the stuff that was going on because everything we had done for you, it would have been in vain. And, and Paul was, one thing I was reading this, and there's a lot in this, but he said, what I'm telling you works. What I'm telling you works. Let me tell you, trusting the Lord wholeheartedly works. When he says all things are working together for your good, it's going to work for your good. I don't care how funny talking your job, your business. I don't care what the doctor says. I don't care what the lawyer says. It's going to work for your good. Because you're a child of who? That's it. But notice what he said in verse 6. Now that Timothy has come to us from you, Notice what Timothy came back and said, and brought us good news of your faith. He brought us the good news of your faith. He said, you are still trusting God. Woo-wee! You're still trusting God and good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance 
of us greatly designed to see us. I thank God that they had the good news of their faith. What does that mean? They were still trusting God as a church. After everything they had been through, after every trial, every church situation, their pastor was ran out of town for whatever reason, and they were still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly. They did not get sidetracked by the naysayers of the community. They did not get sidetracked by the social media report. They did not get sidetracked by their relatives. They were still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly. And as OCC, are we still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly? Despite social media, despite what our family said, despite what the trials we go through, despite what they say at work, are we still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly? Bank account ain't got that much money. Bank account got a whole bunch of money. Are we still trusting the Lord? Doctor says you're going to go through for the rest of your life. Are you still trusting the Lord? Everything you've been through, are you still trusting the Lord? And sometimes you ain't got to tell me. Sometimes you got to tell yourself. I'm still trusting the Lord. After everything I've been through this year. And last year, and the year before, and the year before that. Cause some struggle, they, some struggle last for years. Oh, y'all saw the scripture? There was a woman that had an issue for years. Years. Not just a few days, or a few weeks, or a few months, but for years. She still got her deliverance. Whatever you're dealing with right now, whatever you're going through right now, are you still trusting God? And see, that's what he said. That's good news to me. You know, he didn't even ask them about how y'all were feeling. He didn't say, oh, oh, how y'all feeling over there? What kind of emotional changes are y'all going through? And what kind of, uh, he didn't ask nothing about that. He said, the good news about your faith. Because he knew if their faith was right, it would take care of the rest of us. Oh, y'all missed that thing. Boy, y'all missed that. It'll take care of the sickness. It'll take care of the poverty. It'll take care of the disease. It'll take care of whatever you're dealing with. Your faith. Mm. I got to finish this, y'all. I'm getting too excited. Let me me, me go on. Verse 7. Therefore, brother, in all your affliction and distress, we will comfort it concerning you by your what? Faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. And see, when we do it like God wants it done, we will be a trusted minister. Notice though, the results that they got. When, when Timothy went and did it the way that Paul had instructed him to do it, that whole church was strengthened or encouraged and established in the faith. You see that? And I thought about it from this standpoint. If he would have did it not the way Paul had instructed him to do it, that whole church might have collapsed because of everything they had been through. Do you see how important it is that we do it like God wants it done? So in turn, we can be like this church here. When people hear about our faith, they say, whew, OCC. I, I know about a lot of churches, but OCC. Is still walking by faith and not by sight. They are still trusting the Lord wholeheartedly. They ain't a perfect church. They're not perfect ministers. They're not perfect deacons. They're not perfect whatever it is your title is. They're not perfect. But they trust in God, though. All right, they trust in God, though. Hey, they, they ain't prayed the best, but they trust in God. They pray, but they ain't prayed the best. They're not, listen, not doing things perfectly, but they trust in God, though. They trust in God. And if that's your testimony, I need to raise one hand and say, I'm trusting God wholeheartedly. Woo! I'm done. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center 
and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.